0: Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat, and there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone by a master blues artist in the International Blues Hall of Fame, Rusty Wright. Hello, are you well?
1: Oh yeah, doing fine as well, as fine as you can in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it must be so frustrating because, well, like so many people, you want to go out there gigging, you've got stuff to promote, and you just can't.
1: No, there's not really. I mean, a few venues have opened up uh, that have outdoor settings where people can be spaced apart, but as far as all the theatres and clubs and all the uh, venues that we used to do, now they're still all shut because it's just too difficult to keep people safe.
0: Yeah, but you came up with a, a brilliant idea which was hiring a venue and then performing a gig, but without an audience.
1: Yeah, we were, uh, actually we were doing, um, a streaming concert because that's how, you know, most of us musicians are keeping our name out there as we're doing online streaming concerts and stuff. Uh, through our website and facebook and youtube and that kind of thing and uh we have a clubhouse uh that was kind enough to let us use the venue uh it's like a 200 seat place but of course nobody could be there there was no you can't have a crowd so we just set up and we thought we'd just do the stream concert but i'm a terrible gearhead i love you know i'm, I'm an audio engineer and i am wirehead i got lots of equipment. So I decided, you know, I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to multi-track this and record it because I have a studio. So I got all the mobile gear and uh, brought it down to the clubhouse. And and we performed the streaming concert, but I had multi-tracked all the audio to make it sound really good. And, you know, and it came out really great on the video, but I'd also recorded it at the same time. And I thought I'd just, you know, keep it for archival reasons and But I started listening back to the tracks, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is really good. <laughs> you know, this is, like, really good. I This is too good to stick on a shelf, you know.
0: <laughs> so you so, re- uh, you released Live from the End of the World Part 1 last year. Mm-hmm. And then,
1: you, uh, yeah, November, I think. or
0: And you've just released Part 2, yeah?
1: Yeah, just about, uh, we're just getting the hard copies back, and that'll be coming out. You uh, should find out about it uh, in the next couple of weeks.
0: Right. Right. Has that inspired you to do more like that while the pandemic is still in in hold?
1: Yeah, we are looking. Unfortunately, that clubhouse that we were using had they had a some kind of an outbreak happened in the area, and they just decided to keep the place totally shut because of, you know, worries about liability and stuff. So I'm trying to find another venue that I can do more live streaming concerts from. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out, but it's just a kind of a pain in the butt right now. We don't have a viable venue other than my living room. <laughs> <laughs> and the neighbours don't like the drummers. so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there are some people that are using Zoom and things like that to play live, but from their mm-hmm. own homes.
1: Yeah, we have done a few uh, smaller settings where, like, it's just Laurie and I, or maybe Laurie and I and Nick. Uh, we haven't done a full band in that Zoom kind of vibe, um, mostly because, you know, my big thing is, being an audio engineer, I want the sound quality to be excellent, and unfortunately, you know, if you're stuck using the microphone on a, on a laptop or even, you know, small you know mic or two in the room or a phone or whatever it's just you know the audio is abysmal and as a as a musician you know the audio is everything to me you know yeah so uh i like doing it with the full-blown production where i have uh i I've got it figured out where I can set up, and do a three-camera shoot so that it, you know, moves around from different angles so it's interesting to watch. And then, you know, multi-tracking everything, I can get a perfect balance and EQ and, you know, add some compression to make it sound really good. And, I mean, you can still see some of the uh, simul uh, concerts are on YouTube if you look up the Rusty Wright Band. And, and uh, I'm pretty, you know, pretty uh, proud of the audio quality, even though they're just simple... Uh, you know streaming videos concerts but the audio quality is quite exceptional you know compared to most people's stuff so Mm,
0: good good let's talk about you going way way back you started Mm -hmm. gigging in inverted commas at the age of 13 didn't you
1: yes my mother was a gospel a southern gospel artist way back in the late 60s and early 70s and so she was uh doing southern gospel and (laughs) <laughs> once once uh, she realized that I wasn't going to, you know, she couldn't talk me out of being a musician because she was definitely adamant that I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't work out. So finally she said, all right, if you're going to be a musician, you're gonna, I'm going to keep my eye on you and you're going to play in my backup band. <laughs> so yeah, but you could was... have told
0: her that music has healing qualities.
1: Yeah, well, back then, at the time, she'd been around musicians all her life, and she was like, oh, no, you're not going to be one of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you grow up surrounded by music, then?
1: <laughs> yes, I was surrounded by it from infancy. I mean, they used to practice at our house, because uh, mom had a piano. So the group would come over, and that was uh, it was very very good southern gospel group called the temples Uh, i think they have a few albums out there that can still be found and and uh, it was you know traditional stuff but they had uh, four ladies out front who uh, play one played piano while the other sang, and they had beautiful harmonies. And then, you know, as it, it got more successful, she decided to have the full backup band. Yeah, and uh, would, some of the album covers, you'll die laughing. I mean, it was the late '60s, so you know, you got the giant beehive hairdos and stuff, <laughs> and the matching, matching, you know, uh, long, dresses. long dresses and stuff. It's just, yeah, I look at it now to this day and still laugh my head off, thinking, "Wow!" And that was normal. <laughs>
0: Soon after you started performing, you started writing songs, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got the bug really bad, and, um, I, you know, listening to all this music, I, the first thing I wanted to do once I started to get uh, proficient at guitar is that I wanted to start, you know, figuring out how songs worked, how chord structures work, and so, yeah, I started experimenting right away, uh, writing my own stuff and doing my own
0: thing. So were you writing in a gospel style, or was it boy meets girl type thing?
1: Yeah, the first stuff was pretty tame, you know, folky-sounding, kind of gospel-esque stuff, but I was also, you know, a 13-year-old kid growing up in uh, Michigan, so we had all the Detroit, uh, you know, the Detroit rock scene was really big back then, so it didn't take long before I started listening to, you know, uh, Mitch Ryder and Bob Seger and Alice Cooper came out of Michigan and... and. Uh, in the rockets and you know, all this kind of stuff, so I started playing the Rock stuff and, you know, of course, got hooked big time on that, so.
0: Was it through investigating Rock that led you to Blues, then, or was that from the gospel?
1: I was pretty well-versed in the blues stuff from childhood because, although Mom liked gospel, Dad was from Alabama, and he had a very heavy uh record collection he wasn't musical himself but he loved to listen to music and so he had a huge record collection of uh blues and early rock and roll and you know all the stuff like uh you know all the chess records and st- and uh, that whole collection so i remember you know when mom when mom wasn't around he'd be popping on the chess records and you know playing all that kind of stuff and the buddy holly early rock and roll stuff and and uh, so I, I was like, you know, I tell people I'm a creature of extremes because you know I had my mother was based was a Yankee a Northerner from up north and he was a you know Alabama uh, carrot top with freckles you know and had, was into the blues and the rock and roll and stuff and so I was I was getting hit from both sides. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you've been performing and touring, have you paid your homage to these venues?
1: oh yeah we've been all over over to chicago do buddy guys place all the time or did until this and yeah. uh, you know run through the whole circuit through memphis and all those places and We've been out west. We've been over to Europe and uh, done Italy and South Korea and Japan and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping to eventually get back to this you know pandemic is over. We've got a studio album I'm getting ready to release, and I'm hoping to get enough buzz overseas to where I can uh, come to the UK and uh, you know Western Europe a little bit more.
0: Well, you mentioned South Korea though, and Japan. Uh, You Mm perform there with the Armed Forces Entertainment Group. What I'm trying to do this year on this show is just demonstrate how international the blues is. And I'm demonstrating my ignorance here. I didn't realize there was such a big scene in that part of the world. Mm
1: -hmm. Actually, I'm finding um, blues is really well-loved all over. Um, Actually, I see um, a more... What's the word I'm looking for? More excitement, more vibrance uh, overseas for this style of music than I do here in the States. So, <laughs> mm.
0: Well, another thing is that you are on record as saying that you're trying to make the blues appealing to a younger generation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like playing blues rock. My stuff is kind of a, a mixture, sort of think Johnny Winters kind of thing, um, but with a little more uh, thought-provoking if there could be such a thing as progressive blues i guess i would be progressive blues because i don't like just doing simple uh traditional chord progressions i like to i'm a big fan of a left turn in music you know something to surprise people
0: yeah you and laurie are a true partnership you married and you're also together in the band how Mm -hmm. did how did you meet up
1: uh, well, she was actually, uh, she had been a solo performer most of her life and had been out touring, but she had also she's also a writer, and she was working uh, for various magazines and stuff, and uh, she had her own uh, uh, local music paper, and when I was home, I just, you know, she happened to interview me, and, um, you know, just over time, we got to know each other, and you know, for after that, and she would come to, you know, shows and check out stuff, and, you know, just... Keep writing yeah and, and kept writing time. when i would release new stuff and and uh, just one thing led to another and one day i i'd come off the road after an extremely long stint of like 18 months of being away and i just was kind of suffering from you know road burnout so i came home decided to You know, teach guitar and work at a little music store for a while to just kind of chill out and get my my head back on straight. And one day she walked through the door looking for some gear and, bam! hey, what are you doing here? Hey, what are you doing here? And one thing led to another, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Laurie, when uh, Rusty's writing songs, are you his most fierce critic? Yes, (laughs) I
2: am. I hate to say it because... But sometimes he'll write something and I'll come back and, and say... No you you have it in you to do better than that. You, the, you're you're taking the easy way out on this part of the song. And he gets really mad at me. <laughs> and then he go back and then he goes back and he rewrites it and it's brilliant, but uh he did that on uh Ain't No Good Life, the first the very first song we recorded on the first album. And he wanted to do something Oh, it was the it was you did a uh solo part in it, in that song and it went that it just doesn't fit it doesn't fit with the rest of the song the rest of the song is just so perfect you know f- first attempt it was just perfect and i said but that solo's jarring in there and mm. and oh, he was so mad
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then he went back in and, and started fiddling with it again and came out with something that was just brilliant and it was perfect and so I, I try and keep my mouth shut now, but I do <laughs> no, not I am not usually very successful. But at least but, I think for five or ten minutes about before I start.
0: Well it's good to have somebody to bounce off like that though.
2: It is. Yeah, it is. Um I don't even try writing songs anymore because he's so much better at it than I am. I'm I'm the writer that writes long pieces and so to Burble that down to just a few words is really hard for me. And so I just let him do that.
0: Maybe you Thank should go you in right. the prog rock direction. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You've got some stuff lined up ready for a studio album. Mm-hmm. Has, has that been on the back burner since the pandemic came on?
1: Yeah, it's been a pain because, well, we were in the middle of working on it. And then, you know, the drummer lives a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it they just got harder to get together because they had a travel ban on uh going on here in florida at first way back when they did the heavy lockdown and so we couldn't get together at all you couldn't go over to anybody's house in curfews and stuff you know (laughs) so and then the, the studio you know they were uh having issues about people coming in uh so they kind of like locked down themselves so i just decided okay that's it uh i'll do every we'll do everything ourselves but then of course that's really slow and cumbersome because my studio here is you know it's a home studio so there there's not a ton of space so it's been a tedious process but it's actually getting close to done now so we're just in we're in the final stages doing some vocals and doing final mixes
0: well going back in the mists of time you grew up listening to the likes of uh, Leonard Skinner and people like that. And apparently, your second show, only the second show you'd done, you were opening mm-hmm. for Leonard Skinner.
1: Yeah, that was a fluke beyond fluke. But I had been playing, um, you know, a hard. I've been. Uh, in the hard rock metal scene through the 80s because well to be honest the money was incredible and you know you just you had to make a living and there was lots of cash available for that style of music it's kind of like the way hip-hop is the big thing now you know i mean the money was just everywhere so uh, back in the 80s and the early 90s i was doing the metal thing and the hard rock scene and uh, i made a lot of connections i knew a lot of agents i knew a lot of people in the business, and. Uh, uh, i decided you know i as that scene finally kind of died out or well you know got to be second secondary and the money dried up i decided that's it i'm going to go play the blues i would always told myself i was going to go back to the blues at some point because i love it you know the passion is so much more than and uh, you know it wasn't about the money so um we put the band together and we were working on stuff we we're getting trying to get the first album done we're recording and and the band was sounding really good but you know we it was still fresh we'd only been work put the whole thing together a few months before so i had decided okay uh i tried to we did a show at a little barbecue place that held about maybe 75 people uh to kind of try out the show and see how it went and it went really well everybody loved it everybody was you know just saying how great it sounded yada yada and then out of the blue the very like within that same week i get a phone call from an agent friend of mine who had this show and their. they're the opening act that, that she had scheduled to open for Skinner had had some kind of health issues and the singer or somebody couldn't sing, or somebody got sick or whatever, but they had pulled out of the show and it was mandatory that there be an opening act for this uh, particular venue. And so she called me up and said, I heard you got a new band together. Are you ready to go out? I need somebody. And I'm like, Oh my God. Real, oh, well, so I, but it happened to be on our anniversary and i had just promised lori not a not a month earlier that she had begged me don't book anything on our anniversary this year we're always playing we're always busy i never get that we never get to have a nice anniversary i said okay i promise i won't so i told the agent ladies hey uh, let me put you on hold i gotta call to ask uh, somebody questions and i called Lori, and i said um i know i promised i wouldn't book anything on our anniversary and she Im- immediately is like oh you promised don't do this to me well i know I'll, I'll be glad to pass on this gig and we'll have a nice you know nice happy uh you know anniversary together or we can open for Leonard Skinner in front of a sold-out amphitheater. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, of course, she was, after the squealing and screaming stopped, she was like, yes, you idiot, call her.
0: <laughs> it sort of brings me on to a, a thing that's... It's it, one of those bones of contention with me. This phrase, mm-hmm. Americana, that has come out in recent years, this all-embracing yeah. phrase... Do you regard yourself as an Americana artist or blues artist or rock artist?
1: No, I think I'm, I'm. you know, to be honest, I'm a blues rock guy. I'm, a, you know, the Johnny Winter, Joe Bonamassa style, Kenny Wayne Shepherd vibe. That's really where I'm at. You know, I like guitar work. I like to do the slinging, but I like to have a lot of passion. And, you know, we're really big on vocals too, so... Um, not a lot of blues acts have three-part harmonies and we do so you know it's kind of interesting to the new record will have a lot of that stuff on it we've been working hard on the vocals but yeah i would say i'm a blues rock artist um americana to me all that does is conjure up images of guys with mandolins and banjos
0: (laughs) well on that subject would you consider doing a whole album stripped down to the bone going back to the bare roots of blues Oh, you mean more of an acoustic
1: Delta style yeah. thing? Yeah, I've uh, tinkered around with uh, some of that already. I just, you know, it's one of those things that uh, is always in the back of your mind, but haven't gotten around to it. But yeah, with the pandemic the way it is, just trying to make a living and stay alive has been uh, uh, pretty much our. Uh, predominant thoughts at the moment but yeah definitely i have some songs like that that would fit that quite well Mm. so i just need to have need to sit down and focus on it for a little bit Uh, i do tend to write a lot and i do tend to record a lot it's just um it's spur of the moment it's as the you know inspiration hits you so i've got like tons of stuff that has never been released that's just you know um songs that i got down at the spur of the moment and then didn't get, go back to and finish up on because some new thing popped we in and, and just, other people yeah plus during the pandemic i've been doing a lot of other uh, people's stuff i've kind of hired myself out to play guitar or to uh, be, produce entire songs for other people because you know i got to make a living somehow <laughs>
0: So maybe at some point in the future when things get back to normality there could be an a box set anthology of all these unreleased things.
1: Yeah, actually, I probably should do that and get it all out there just so that I, you know, have it finished and out to the public. Cause otherwise, you know, it'll just stay on a hard drive somewhere and never, never see the light of day again. So yeah, I need to sit down and probably take an inventory. I'll probably, I've probably got, 50 or 60 unfinished uh, pieces that I could get put together and get out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to where we started off with the interview, you are a master blues artist in the International Blues Hall of Fame. Did they contact That's... you about that or was that a total surprise? Uh,
1: yeah, actually, they have um, what they have is they have representatives in all the states across the country and these people basically keep their eye out for you know folks in the scene and the genre and uh kind of you know watch and and once somebody they feel uh is uh, really you know the epitome of what they're circ- seeking seeking they uh put the word out to the powers that be at the at that hall of fame and uh you know if, if they check you out and if they agree and say yeah then poof they contact you and say, hey, we'd like to present you with it. And it's like, yeah, we got presented with it out of the blue from a lady that was One of their, yeah, Sweet Claudette. She's passed away now, but she had been Mm -hmm. uh, uh, an elder blues uh, lady for many decades Mm -hmm. in that uh, Michigan area. Uh, And she kept her eye on everything and everybody in the scene. And she really, you know, really liked us and used to come to all our shows. And I had no idea that she was a rep. But then one day out of the blue, she calls us up and says, "We'd like to present you with an award." And I'm like, "I didn't even know you were were involved." (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, just a slight aside here. The Blues Foundation, during the pandemic, uh, there were a lot of artists who can't perform like yourselves, and they've still got bills to pay. So the Blues Foundation are trying to raise money to keep mm-hmm. uh musicians going. Uh, oh yeah, so yeah.
1: We're very, we were one of the recipients of one of their. Um, micro grants so we're really really grateful to them they've been a fantastic
0: help uh, throughout this thing yeah so I mean I'd just like to throw that out to anybody listening to this if you are a member of the Blues Foundation please donate if you're not a member of the Blues Foundation join and donate because there's people that are really struggling
1: yeah, they they and they've done fantastic things. Like yeah. Lori had a, uh, Lori uh, had had COVID in January, or and we didn't realize it at the time what it was. We thought it was pneumonia, but it turned out to have uh, we think we been we, COVID. 99%. And then because of that later on she had a heart attack from a blood clot because the, one of the after effects of some some of this stuff is you know blood clotting and uh but the blues foundation basically uh managed to come up with the, they the
2: paid my doctor. yeah
1: they paid the doctor bills, bills for it so yeah. that's was just unbelievable because we were thinking oh my god we've lost all our income and now we're going to have this astronomical you know hospital bill so yeah. they they managed to come up with the money and uh, uh paid it off for us so that at least we didn't have that hanging over our head and then
2: we also received help with bills for, from their COVID 19
1: yeah yeah. I mean, they were they were absolutely a godsend.
0: Yeah. On that note, I mean, like I say, if you are a member, please, please, please donate. If you're not a member, then join up and donate. Hopefully, things will level out, and we'll have the Live From the End of the World Part 2 coming out very soon. Yeah, we'll, should be in the next couple of weeks. You should be getting some info on it. And we'll have the studio album coming out at some point soon.
1: Yeah that'll be probably towards the spring. Um I still got uh, final vocals and uh mixing and mastering to do on that so that'll take a little bit longer but uh the it should
0: be out by the spring. And then once restrictions are lifted you can go out gigging and we might get to see you in the UK.
1: Oh I would absolutely love that. In fact I am working towards that. I'm hoping to get the the studio album to get enough uh attention and get enough uh Mm. press to where Mm. you know i can get promoters interested in doing string shows because it's all about the buzz factor i mean if if you come up with a good album and get a lot of good press on it and get people listening and get people talking then that that enthusiasm translates into being able to get a tour set up over there because people are you know interested in seeing what you got so mm. i'm hoping hoping for the best
0: yeah well i've, I've said it numerous times so far that uh, i miss live music last year was the first year since 1978 that i've not seen a single gig and it's wrong yeah. it just feels so wrong
1: yeah, tell me. We've luckily we have been able to play, like I said, a few outdoor shows, but it's been ridiculously light compared to the kind of uh, of last lifestyle minute. that we do, and it's all last minute. Yeah, because some of these venues, you know, they're not sure if they can. Uh, if they if it's safe to be open or they're not sure if their clientele will even come out because people are you know they're nervous about mm. hanging out in public spaces because it's it's dangerous you can you know if the, some people get covid and they get over it and it's no big deal for them but there are other people just because of the way that they're Physiology is, they, you know, it can kill them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully things will improve and we will get to see you at some point in the future. I'd like to thank both of you for taking the time out to do this and uh, all the best for the future. Well,
1: thank you very much, and hopefully uh, everybody will uh, be safe and sound in 2021, and maybe eventually when the vaccine gets rolled out enough, we can all get back to real life and I can come over there and, you know, kick some butt and make you smile.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course if you want to hear the whole show those always listen again I'll see you next time take care